welcome to the Supply Chain Careers Podcast, the only podcast for job seekers, professionals, and students who are focused on career-enhancing conversations and insights across all aspects of the supply chain discipline. This podcast is made possible by SCM Talent Group, the industry-leading supply chain executive search firm. Visit SCM Talent Group at scmtalent.com. To search for or to post supply chain jobs, visit the Supply Chain Job Board at supplychaincareers.com. I'm your podcast co-host, Mike Ogle. And I'm your podcast co-host, Rodney Apple. In this episode of the Supply Chain Careers Podcast, we speak with Annette Danik Aki, Executive VP of Supply Chain at Penguin Random House, about how she discovered an interest in supply chain as she focused early on to discover her likes and dislikes. After teaching quality leadership to thousands of people at Sears Logistics, she found an opportunity that matched her love of books by going to what at that time was a small publishing company, but through much growth and acquisitions has become what we know today as Penguin Random House. Annette talks with us about hard skills such as analytics and process mapping, but also about soft skills like curiosity, listening, and teamwork. She emphasizes the importance of building team culture while building the team's ability to deal with physical and process automation. Annette also provides her thoughts about mentorship, getting better at doing uncomfortable things, plus the value of even more frequent communication during busy and challenging times. Annette, we're happy to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. How did you get started on your supply chain career journey? What were some of your greatest influences that got you started and helped you along the way? I really do think that one of the things that you have to know is know you. Who are you? What do you like? If I go back to what did you like when you were a kid? Because sometimes when you were a kid, those are the things you liked doing those and kept doing them. So if I went back to what I liked as a kid, I really liked math. I liked science. And I lived in a library. I loved to read. And I loved computers because they were just coming out. And I knew what I wasn't good at it. Like I loved being part of a team. I loved being on sports, but I was terrible at sports, but I did play them anyway. I say all that because I picked a college that helped me figure out what I wanted to do. So I went to Bradley University. And at that point, they had a very up and coming new program that was called the Academic Exploration Program. And in that program, they were going to give you lots of tests and tell you this is what you should do and what you should be um, when you grow up. So I did. I took, I took all sorts of other personality tests and what do I like? And they said, okay, based on all that, you are going to be good at accounting. I think it's really finance, but they said accounting and industrial engineering. They made me go talk to people who were doing those jobs and I liked the industrial engineering better. So I said, great, I'm going to be an industrial engineer. I really loved the idea that I took tests and it basically said, here's what you would like. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the key positions you held early on and some of the lessons that you learned as you pivoted between those key positions? When I graduated college, I decided that I wanted to teach as a profession. So I went on and got my master's from Purdue University. I was actually starting my PhD because I was going to be a professor and I was going to teach industrial engineering. And then I pivoted. I went to Sears Logistics. I had worked there as an intern 
And they said, we need to teach all of these retail distribution centers. We need to teach them quality leadership. I pivoted from being an academic and saying, I can teach, but I can teach in the corporate world. And I said, you know what? I'm still going to be a teacher. I'm not giving up that goal. And if you fast forward to life right now, I'm actually now an adjunct professor as well at Towson University. And I teach a class. I did that for a couple of years. There's a difference between sometimes you want to go to a big company and sometimes you might want to go to a small company. So here I was at Sears, very big company. They're a great company. I'm basically teaching 10,000 people quality leadership, which is a huge goal and a huge thing. And you learn that very deeply. But I got a recruiter call and it was from a very small publishing company. And if you remember, I said I really liked reading as I grew up. So imagine... You like process and you walk into a place with where there's all these books. So I was in love. First sight, it was a very small company at that point. What was exciting to me is I was going to get to learn to do a whole bunch of things. They were putting in a new warehouse management system. They were redoing all the conveyor systems. They had to do processes and procedures. And so I was going to come in at a time where I got to learn all of that at once. So to me, I can learn the entire supply chain at this small company where I might not have been able to do that at a bigger company. So strategically in your career, you need to decide, do I stick to a couple things that I really like, or do you want to learn the whole end to end? What kind of internal team skills, both hard and soft skills matter to you the most as you lead major supply chain organizations? In terms of the hard skills, what I see today is the need for analytical skills and process mapping and curiosity. What I mean by analytical, just to be very specific, you got to know Excel really well, how to use PowerPoint or Microsoft Access or any of the visualization softwares out there, whether it's Power BI or R or any of those ways to take data and to make it visual, whatever that is, you got to know one of those. You need to be able to take a problem and make a model out of it. So here's my inputs, here's my assumptions, here's the productivity, the cost, the whatever it is, and make a model. So in terms of supply chain, if you can create a model and get people to understand these are the assumptions in my model, then you're going to be very successful wherever you go. On the soft skills, curiosity, not being afraid to ask questions and saying, hmm, I think I understand, but I don't really understand. So please teach me and explain that a little bit more to me. That hunger to, to, to learn a little bit more, like knowing what's my SIPOC, your supplier, your input, your process, your output, your customer. And you're asking all those questions to know all those pieces so that you can create a good model. So being able to ask and speak up and get those answers. When you're trying to evaluate people to be on your team and you're looking particularly at those softer skills, How do you go through anything in an interview process that helps you understand that they might have those skills? We definitely have a person when they interview, meet a bunch of different people. You're going to meet a whole group. That way we can all see, is the person consistent with all of us? Were they different with one person? And we're also listening to see if the person listens. I think in an interview, sometimes you have to be careful not to talk too much and maybe ask a question back. So that's what that would be my advice is if you're looking for a job, make sure that you have some questions because you're interviewing for the job too. The, the culture fit for you is so important. Sometimes people will be pitching themselves, but they really also need to be asking questions because that shows you're engaged. 
You mentioned the key soft skills and hard skills within an, an organization that you look for. What about externally when you think about suppliers and even customers? It's still somewhat the same. It's a little bit easier when you're within your own company to build that trust in the rapport. But then when you're talking to a customer, you're talking to a supplier, how do you get to that level where you have that trust? You have different needs, different angles with with which you look through the business or what you need. So if your supplier doesn't want to always do everything that you want them to do, so it's a little bit of this back and forth. What I think is important is to to really put yourself in the shoes of the, the partner, whoever that partner is, the customer or the vendor. And so that's a skill. That's a soft skill. How do I put myself in that person's shoes? That's the important thing with suppliers and customers is to really understand what their needs are, because then it'll make you a better communicator. Looking back at your academic days, what do you wish you had known as a student, both at the beginning and as you were graduating? I did a really great job knowing my professors, which is why I got a nice recommendation to go get a master's degree. I see students struggle at the very last minute, like, oh, shoot, I did not establish any relationships. Who am I going to go to for a recommendation? So you really need to think about that early and find the professor who you have a connection to. And because at some point you might need a recommendation. I noticed that you're a member of Chief. I'd, we'd love to hear more about that organization. It looks like it's to improve women and, and careers. How did you get involved and what's the mission and what are some of the key learnings that you've had? I'm the proponent of being in groups that help you learn and develop. I'm in a group called Awesome, Achieving Women's Excellence in Supply Chain Operations Management and Education. I'm part of that. I joined Chief because it was higher level executives and is more around leadership development. And I'm with people who are in legal and chief marketing roles and chief sales roles. I joined that because of that. And then I'm also in Warehouse Education Research Council. I'm part of MHI. So I joined different groups because that's my way of learning and for professional development. And that's how I keep up. I keep up by joining these groups and reading and subscribing to newsletters, listening to podcasts like this. I also am taking online classes, took one or two classes. And now I'm like, oh shoot, now I should just complete the whole certificate. So, so I'm working on completing a couple certificates. So chief and all those things, they're all part of a larger um, mission for myself is to learn and develop. During this short break, we recognize that this podcast is made possible by SCM Talent Group, the industry-leading supply chain executive search firm. Visit SCM Talent Group at scmtalent.com. To search for or to post supply chain jobs, visit the Supply Chain Job Board at supplychaincareers.com. What about mentorship? That's another fascinating way to learn and develop. What's your philosophy on mentorship and what would you advise someone that's looking to get started? I've read a lot of books on mentorship because I've had people say, hey, would you be my mentor? And there needs to be some personal connection. So I would say if you're looking for a mentor, it generally probably starts out with just talking to someone and there's someone who you feel has good advice or something that they could help you or learn from them. So you really need to have kind of a personal connection. I have had people come and say, hey, would you be my mentor? And it hasn't really clicked. You need a little bit of that personal connection with someone. And and, and it could be at any different level. I, I have people who I would say are my mentors. They've started as 
either people I've worked with or colleagues or someone I worked with on a committee and they end up being my mentor and I may go to them for internal politics or they're really just good at communication. So how would you do this? I do have a couple of people who are more like formal mentorship. However, I think the, in the organic ones are the ones that last the longest. What are two or three of the biggest influences that you see influencing supply chain careers in the coming years? I really think there's one really big one, and it's automation. Whether it's physical automation or system automation, there's just so much coming down the pike. In terms of just physical automation, my lens is a little bit more on the the distribution and fulfillment side. There's been a lot of automation on the manufacturing side and not as much money into the distribution side. But now there's so many more vendors and so much more technology and money and venture capital being put into equipment for distribution. So that's huge. We've always been a very heavy piece pick operation. Now everyone's moving to Omnichannel. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Now there's a lot more things for us to buy and use. Whereas in the past, like maybe 20 years ago, there really weren't. So we had to maybe customize or things like that. You got to keep up. You have to know what's coming, what's out there. And it's changing like every six months. And then even just process automation. There's so many systems and so much that can be done with robotic process automation and just workflow and end-to-end visibility. There's just so many opportunities out there. You've led some fairly large teams throughout your career. Would love to get your perspective as it relates to the hiring, developing, retaining. What are some of the things you do to bring in top talent? And then once you have them in the door to bring the very best out of each of your employees? The running joke at our company is once you're there, you never really leave. So after you get to a few years, I would say at least for um, the folks that that we hire, I'm going to talk to maybe like the management level or the engineering level or project-based level. If you can sell what's in it for the person who's applying, right? So if you love books, it's kind of a little bit of a shoe-in. I don't have a problem with people who really love to read. But I think what we're looking for too is people who really want to work as part of a team. And we do find sometimes people say, oh, I really want to do more independent research. Okay, well, then we are not the company for you. Then you'd be better suited somewhere else. We are a very collaborative team environment. So if you like that, then this is a great place for you. So when someone comes on the job interview, I try to go last in the interview process. And the question I always ask is, tell me about the culture so far. Like, tell me what you've seen. And I love to hear the answers because that's my job. My job is to create the culture. I like when they they tell me and I said, well, why did you feel that way? Or what is it? If you can make the culture fit with what you're, you're saying, then you're going to get that talent. What are some specific major challenge situations that you've faced? And how did you go about solving those challenges? For instance, what lessons did you learn from those experiences that really have helped improve your problem-solving abilities? I was thinking about this and I was like, oh my gosh, I have had so many major challenges. <laughs> I've put in a lot of warehouse management systems. I've put in automation and it somewhat goes okay. Or the demand spikes and suddenly you're in a backlog. Or suddenly you have this thing in the world called COVID and you have to figure out how to do that too. All of them are different types of challenges. But when I was thinking about them, what do I do that's similar with all those? And the hardest thing to do is to stay calm and 
appear confident, to stay calm, appear confident, even though inside you're like, oh my gosh, it's not working the way it should be, but that's okay. Stay calm, appear confident, and make a bunch of lists. If you make lists, you will get this alignment. Sometimes people say, if you're really busy, you should have less meetings. I I go the opposite way. Like when you're really busy or when you're in a crisis, you should have more meetings because then you're getting that alignment. And the hardest thing with any of those situations, COVID or just backlogs or systems not working right, or your supplier is not doing well, you need to create alignment. So how do you create alignment? I found the best way is you literally just say, here's the situation, you write it out. And then you say, here's the steps we are taking. And you write those out. And then you say at the bottom, if anyone has any questions or care to contribute to this, please do so. And then you share that with as many people as possible. And you would be surprised, like something that simple creates that alignment. So uh, that's literally what I do. And then people are like, oh, you're such a great leader. Oh, Annette, you have such great vision. Okay, I will tell you, I'm just making a list. So (laughs) I'm listening to people. I'm basically summarizing the current situation, what we're going to do and asking for input. So if you can do that, you can go through anything. I don't know the right answers to the list. I start out with, okay, here's three things we could possibly do. And then what I've learned is don't be the creator and don't worry about if someone edits you. So put something on a sheet of paper and I guarantee if you have that open culture, then people will say, no, Annette, that's not really it. You really need this step and then this step. And then we need really should do this. So if you have that, your original list of four things will totally disappear. And it'll be another list of eight things that other people contributed to. But you know what? It doesn't really matter because you created the original list. You got people to list those. I'm sorry if I don't know the answers. You just have to be open to the feedback, right? So I don't have all the answers, but I'm good at saying to people, grab these things. Okay, if that's not the list, then what is it? Is there anything that you would like to share with our audience and in particular students or or junior level employees that are coming up the ranks, how to get started in your career? In some cases, you just need to get a job, right? The reality is you you pick a job. If you're lucky, then go interview and look for the culture. We have this phrase now that we use, we say culture is a verb. What do I mean by culture is a verb? It's not just a standalone thing. You have to do it every day. You have culture is something, every little thing. If you're going to go work at a company, look at the culture. And you may have to take a job. You may have to. The reality is you may say, oh, I'm going to take that job because I don't have another offer. That's fine. So you, you go along and you'll learn something. So even if you're in a culture that you're not a good fit, you'll at least learn the things that you don't like. So that when you look for your next job, you'll say, ah, here's the things I need to correct for. And here's really what I like. If you find that culture and you interview and you really like it, then you would go there. And on the flip side, if someone's in charge of creating that culture, you get to create that so that you can bring more people in. So I would look at that. And culture is a verb. So it's always active. It's never static. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. But look for that culture and where it is a fit for you. Know yourself. Take as many tests as you possibly can about yourself. If I go back, the reason why I really like my career is because I took a bunch of tests, right? I go full circle. All those tests I took back when I was in college and it led me towards this degree, which there was not even supply chain at that point. It wasn't even on the list. But I knew myself and I still know myself to this day. If you know yourself, then you'll know what you're good at and where you're like, no, I'm not as good at this, but that's okay. I'm going to get help from other people 
because that's not really my strong suit. But if it's your strong suit, then double down on it and do more of that. The only other thing that I would say is in relation to the organizations, I'm a big proponent of doing a talk or doing a presentation or doing a podcast. This is maybe my fifth podcast. I will tell you the first one. I was so nervous. I couldn't sleep at night because it's not my natural, not something that I choose to do or want to do. But why do I do it? Well, because it makes you learn and it it helps you self-reflect too of what's important to you. And I also believe in giving back and helping people along the journey because whatever I learned, hopefully you can learn and not make the same mistakes. Annette, thank you for a great conversation and your insights about supply chain careers. Thank you, Mike and Rodney. Pleasure being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Supply Chain Careers podcast. Be sure to listen to other episodes and sign up to be notified when future episodes are released as we continue to interview industry-leading supply chain experts. This podcast is made possible by SCM Talent Group, the industry-leading supply chain executive search firm. Visit SCM Talent Group at scmtalent.com. To search for or to post supply chain jobs, visit the Supply Chain Job Board at supplychaincareers.com.